0: what is the latest everyone and welcome back to another episode of the in the paint show presented by ball is life devin Oblin and ronnie fleur is here with you for episode number 105 and ronnie today we're talking about the ball is life east first west showcase we're gonna have a couple guests who played in that game uh caesar guerrero and frank nitty sessions uh from the west squad but a quick rundown of that game uh recently ronnie Or over the pandemic, I guess, is when we started doing the park takeovers with the East Squad and the West Squad going to random, you know, random parks in, uh, you know, the West, obviously mainly in Southern California, and the East uh, out there in Florida, and those videos have just gotten a major amount of hits and views and watches and anything. Yeah, it's it's been really good content for us, so we decided. To bring those two teams together last week in Irvine, and do a little event, and it turned out to be a big event because there was a lot of people there. Um, you know, yeah. a, a best of best of five. The East, I mean, the West swept the East, uh, one three straight to win the overall event. And I think you know the next one's going to be out in Florida, and the West team's going to go East. What were your overall thoughts of this game, Ronnie? And then your thoughts about outdoor basketball as a whole and this kind of maybe helping it kind of have a comeback. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the outdoor element has always been there obviously, you know, since the beginning of basketball and whatnot. But I think like you said, in a pandemic, people want to get out a little bit. Uh, they, they don't mind being outdoors. They probably feel like, Hey, I, I you know, Let's go watch some basketball outside. It's it's a little better. And then you got this issue, Devin, and you think about like SoFi Stadium. You think about Allegiant Stadium here in, in Las Vegas, the new stadiums, and you think about Staples Center. And it's like, dude, the average person, you're looking at $75 parking. It's just yeah. not the experience it once, once was, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think you have a group of fans who are like, you know, I'm interested in – in the basketball or i'm interested in the sport itself and they really enjoy that and and then the younger kids gravitate towards maybe athletes that will interact with them and and be more open in interaction and you know for a guy like caesar or a guy like frank nitty like to many players and young especially on the younger end like those guys are are big and just like nb nba players to them you know they're just like nba stars to them there's no much difference you know, Frank Nitty has 150 K followers on Instagram. Like he's well known, especially he's grown. Obviously, the Drew League plays into that and other pro-ams and 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 the pro-am pro-am kind of circuit has been big now yeah. since since um ball is life and other uh media outlets have kind of chronicled since the NBA lockout in 211. It's just grown from there. And 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 the Drew League was always big and important in LA basketball, but now it's been chronicled. Like you can see it in real time. It's always been there. There's always been, you know, drew league MVP. It's always been played at Washington park or something like that. And it was, I remember even like 15 years ago in the mid, mid two thousands, early two thousands. Uh, it was just a real small group of people watching those games and they were terrific. I went a few times. I didn't always go, you know, but, um, Obviously, when the lockout came, uh, and then you had guys like Kobe Bryant playing mm-hmm. and 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 it, it and then you filmed it in real time and it got up on social media in real time, right. it just took it to another level. So I think this is another uh element of that of uh, you know, kind of all three levels interacting. It's very interesting. Hopefully, our guest uh Frank kind of touches on that because he's kind of touched all angles meaning playing pro basketball overseas being a drew league mvp playing outdoors just you know literally like in this game that we had last week is literally an outdoor streetball game so yeah that's always been an element of of la you know whether it's at rogers park venice venice beach uh there's some in you know uh laguna has some good courts and some other places where people congregate i think it changes devin like where the quote unquote hot games are changes once in a while. And like Venice Beach is a staple. The quality goes up and down. Um, you know, but it's always been a staple. Uh, you know, so that 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 uh that's just something that is fluid, and this is just another step in that, and it's just very popular. And it seems like, you know, like you said, it may be a second wave, kind of like the the wave that Ray for Rawson skipped skip to my Lou created with his, you know, tape being in that foot action and people getting it and then just blowing up from there 20 yep. years ago. Now that was already, it's, it's hard to believe that that's 20 years ago, but it's, it's 20 years ago.
0: I know man. Time just seems to fly yeah. each and every day. You get, get older and older and, and, you know, wiser and wiser, I guess. But yeah, you know, when I, I mean, it's weird because now you watch these kids growing up and and all their practice, all their, workouts, everything they do is inside. Everything they do. You know what I mean? Game all games are inside. Well when you know when you were growing up, obviously uh gym access wasn't that easy. But when when I was growing up, I practiced outside, you know, as a kid up until until I got to high school, right? Like we didn't we practice outside and then we play you know, we played games in gyms. But so it's good to see, you know, kind of a throwback into that realm, the outdoor game, kind of the purity of of the game and um, you know, having to having to call your own fouls, you know, people talking crap because you know you call a soft foul,
1: whatever. Maybe all physical that physical game. I mean, the game was real physical, especially the first yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, I, and I can tell you just from the production side of the event. I mean, there was really no love lost between these two teams. Like they didn't really want to hang out or 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 eat together or talk together because you know the Balls Life team brought them in for a few days. Meaning the East team came in from out of town. Obviously, Caesar, Frank, and some of the other West Coast guys. You know, again, they they probably live somewhere around here in the SoCal basin, and and but yeah, it was pretty very competitive, much more competitive than you would think, like a high school all star game or like a balls life all star game. Yeah, the guys didn't really want to congregate and 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 socialize until after. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that helped the competitive nature of the game. Obviously, like you said, the West swept. They they uh were a little better in transition uh with Frank and Caesar and, and then White Iverson's shooting. He can, you know, he hit some timely threes. They that was really hard for them to to overcome per se. You know, they had their moments, you know, they 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 got some offensive rebounds finally in the second and third game, maybe a little bit better shot, but I think that was the natural flow of the game that when the when the East was kind of making a push or making it interesting, they might take a Ill advised three, and then that just led to a long rebound or a push the other way in the west court. Yeah, I think from
0: from what I saw, you know, between multiple heads that were in front of me uh, while I was trying to watch the game, because um, there was a lot of people there, man. There was there was, you know, it, I'm trying to think, it was maybe like four or five rows deep around the perimeter of the court. So you know. Sure. One row of people, yeah, to, yeah. All depending through. on
1: where you were at, but all the right. way around, yeah, yeah,
0: all the way around, standing room only. So it was a it was a good environment. But from what I saw and when I watched it back, um, after the fact, it's just Frank and Caesar were just you know basketball players, right?
1: We're too quick in transit. Yeah, they're just
0: they're just they they were able to get that team to play a team style of game, whether it was making the sure. extra pass, sharing the ball. Uh, you know, kicking the ball ahead in transition, you know, not taking too many ill-advised shots. Obviously, you know, in a game like that with so many cameras around and so many people, there's going to be ill-advised shots. But um, doing the little things. Like Frank, uh, every time I I saw him on on the offensive end, he was, you know, tipping the ball in or grabbing an offensive rebound uh, off of a missed shot. And those are kind of the little extra effort plays that a guy like Caesar and a guy like Frank had to do at the high school and college levels to get to where they are now as you know professional players and and you talk about frank touching every single aspect of the game he played obviously at la jordan high school and then he went to irvine valley community college then he went to saddleback community college and then he went to weber state and then d2 cal state la so Frank has seen yeah. every single level of basketball. He plays in the big three, he plays in the Drew League, has played overseas. So yeah. this guy has so much experience.
1: Helped him, you know, like yeah, you know, not going through the regular notion of being a high school star and a guy played AU every weekend. You know, and we can talk about that after, you know, Devin, or as part of this. Like, does that burn some of these guys out? Like some of the guys we've seen who are high school stars with Frank yeah. was definitely not. Caesar was more of the high school star. He was a yeah. top 100 player. He got recruited at Oklahoma state, but, but Frank definitely didn't have that background and he didn't even play much ball before his probably his junior year. Like, you know, so he's in basketball terms, he may be 30 or 29, whatever his age is, but it's like, he's still pretty young, you know, right. like, his fresh legs and very interesting. I want to get your take before our guests come on real sure. quick about this. I'm talking to some of the kids. I'm, I'm checking them out what they're doing and obviously they love basketball. But do you get the sense that there's some kids out there or some fans are like, you know what? The NBA is all, uh, I guess the word would be drama or storylines, almost rigged to a case. And there's just a certain amount of fans that just want to see ball. Like that's kind of what I got from some of these guys. They almost look at the NBA as like entertainment. And some guys just want to see two guys go at it, call your own fouls. Good players. I mean they want to see good players and good plays, but they just want to see guys ball, you know?
0: Yeah, I think I think uh the outdoor aspect and kind of the park takeover runs yeah. were a way to to connect with the average fan. Yeah. Like like the average, you know, kid. Average yeah. Average yeah. Joe can, you know stand there, watch that game and be like, yeah, I've been through that situation before. Maybe not on that same level of basketball skill, but yeah. like, you, you know, basically I think everyone who listens to the show has played in a park and like called Love a foul it. and someone said, you know, that's soft or whatever. And like, you know, there was shit talking, whatever it, it may talks, be. So, yeah. yeah. So everyone can kind of relate with that. Relate. Yeah. And it's sometimes, sometimes you watch the NBA and you're like, damn, these guys are just so good. Um, yeah,
1: it's unrelatable bit. Yeah, it's you know, kind of unrelatable. cost or just the, how good they are. It's just entertainment.
0: Well, dude, like you look at a yeah. Laker game, to go to a Laker game, like you said, 75 bucks probably to park unless you park yeah. way out in the Tuleys. And yeah, then you got to take an Uber or whatever it may be. And then, you know, nosebleed seats are going to, you know, two nosebleed seats are going to run you $300 after taxes. Yeah. 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 Even like a crappy game would be like three to $400 in, in yeah. those bleed seats. So it's, it's an expensive, I guess, hobby. Expensive uh, hobby. Yeah. Was what, what I would describe
1: it as. And it's gotten more and more expensive as time gone by. Oh yeah.
0: And then yeah. the, you know, the outdoor aspect of it, Ronnie is like, you need a, you need a ball and you need a hoop. And most of the time outdoor hoops are free. So the only thing you got to do is, is, you know, find or buy a basketball, which is not very expensive. Yeah. So I think it's more of a, relatable way to uh, connect the game you know from really good players to the fans and which is why I think the the videos did so well and why I think that event did so well uh, Caesar should be in here in a, in a minute or so Ronnie um, but yeah I mean l- let's talk Caesar a little bit while he when he was in high school before he jumps on uh, went to st. John Bosco High School uh, in the Trinity League uh, bellflower California and he was a uh, he was one of ball his life's you know mixtape darling kind of guys yeah. everyone wanted to see the caesar mixtape and he was made for the mixtape
1: yeah yeah i mean he was exciting to watch i mean he you know had a flair for the dramatic uh he's a great brawl handler which obviously comes well or, or does well out outdoors guys that can handle the ball well and, and he can put the ball in the hoop um i'm pretty sure Obviously, Ball's life was filming a lot of his games, and I, I believe that 48 point game he had against Modern Day, I, I still think it's the record against Modern Day in terms of an opponent scoring points.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: he had a 48 or 49 point game against Modern Day at, at Bosco, and he was, you know, won the winning award in his division, was first team All State. I mean, every, every accolade you can think of for a top 100 player, he was pretty much right, right there. And then, obviously, I want to talk to him a little bit about, you know, he went to Oklahoma State, then he left. He went transfer to Fresno State. It's just what was that like, you know? Mm-hmm. Then now it's it's like business. Now it becomes business, and I think Frank learned that as well a little bit too at Weber State, and then having to come home and go into Cal State LA. It's like you gotta, you know, if you're not doing exactly, let's say if you're not fitting the mold of what these coaches want, you can't just do what they did out, outdoors. Basically, sure. you know, you have to run the team or. Play a certain way, and that's what it becomes. You know, I I think Caesar was involved in the mat a little bit. He played with um Marvell Harris at Fresno State, and it was like, okay, Marvell has the ball more. Well, Caesar, you know, they're both good. It's like that's just part of being in college. You got to like play your role, the role the colleges, you know, the college coaches ask you to do, and that's how you get on the court or stay on the court. And obviously, those two are talented enough to be on the court. Right. It's 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 like it's a lot different than saying, I just want to play ball. I think that's the one thing I, I like about the, you know, the open runs or any, any kind of element of a game that we had, is just who can play. Yeah. Like, dude, who can just play? I don't right. want to know about the freaking coaches playing time and who he has on scholarship. Who's the walk on, you know, who's the transfer, you know, who was the higher rated recruit that we need to play. I just want to know who can ball.
2: Yeah.
0: And Caesar just dropped into the, uh, the stream here. Let's add him in. Caesar, what's up, man? Can you hear us?
2: Yeah, I can hear you guys. What's up? How's everything going? Good, man. It looks
0: like you're in an empty building. What's going on, bro?
2: No, this is uh, <laughs> this is the house, man. This is okay. the house. Okay, guys hey, uh, a little nice and quiet right now.
0: There we go. so uh that that game, the atmosphere w- was fun. Um, a lot of people you know just enjoying the game uh, kind of a you know as a purity type thing. And throwing it back to, you know, playing outside in the park and, and all that good stuff. But did you have to did you have to sweep them 3-0? I mean
2: You know what? I, I think the whole the whole thing with that whole situation, uh, it just happened. You know, they were talking a lot of smack. So we just <laughs> yeah. we just took it upon ourselves to to really harp on uh, the things that we were gonna do in the game and just come out and, and show that you know this isn't a cakewalk. And it showed on the court, you know, it showed with the physicality, it showed with the with the IQ and having, you know, such a great player like Frank, you know, uh, kind of helping us and and you know our players just wanting to listen, you know, it just came out to to came out to our favor and you know, they ended up getting
1: smacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Caesar, talk a little bit about the build up to the game, like I guess I was, you know, I was mentioning to Devin and to the people listening that, like, you go to an all-star game or you go to a high school all-star game, something like that, and everybody's hanging out before the game. They're hanging out in the lobby, but like, you guys didn't really want to do that. Like, you know, no, they, I think, a little bit more on the line, and then you got it showed in the game.
2: Well, I mean, it's always different when you have uh, money on the line. Yeah. So the atmosphere completely changes um you know we're going into war you know we're over here just you know trying to get a little extra money in our pocket just for like you know expenses and all that so uh, the atmosphere changes you know it, it's not it's not all sweet like Kenny Dobbs was saying to us it's like we don't want to hang out with them like what well, what's the point of all life bringing us together and stuff when we're trying to rip their heads off and they're on YouTube talking all kinds of smack talking about they don't practice it's like Well, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, we're going to show you what we're about. And, you know, uh, there's a big stigma out there that West Coast is the soft coast, you know, and East Coast is rugged and they're tough. And but I mean, it showed, you know, it showed. I mean, I I wouldn't want to say they 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 do represent the East Coast, but, you know, not New York and New Jersey and all that stuff. But, you know, West Coast, I, I think as far as right now is the Mecca of basketball because we have so much talent out here Mm -hmm. and uh, just, we have so much NBA talent. We got the number two pick that just happened in Jalen green. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I think California is the Mecca of basketball at this moment. Sure. So they got to recognize.
0: Yeah. And the number three pick as well, Evan Mobley is from, from South. Oh yeah, definitely. Temecula, right? Temecula.
2: Yep. Yep. So that's big time. So, you know, California is the place, uh, is a place of, of you know, basketball right now. And uh, I don't think anybody could take that away. So we just try to let them know that West Coast is basketball. Yeah. You mentioned, Caesar. you
0: mentioned, you know, the East Coast is supposed to be gritty and tough and all that good stuff. And in that first game, you know, they tried to be physical and tried to be yeah. physical and – When you guys, you know, I think the first game was uh, probably a seven-point win for you guys. I forget the numbers, but it seemed to take the air out of their sails, and the rest of it was kind of smooth sailing for you guys. Did you feel that same way?
2: Um, I felt like the first game, it was more of trying to figure them out. Uh, We were shooting a whole bunch of crazy shots. It was just a whole lot of, you know, we are just trying to figure each other out, figure out the flow of the game. But once we calmed ourselves down and we kind of, you know, hey, let's pass the ball, let's move around. These guys are just stuck on iso ball right now at the moment. So we just uh, we basically stuck to like real just general basketball principles. You know, we just shaded them to their weekend. Uh, we we played with the mismatches. Uh, you know, there was a White Iverson really called out, you know, hey, uh, every time I set a pick, they're always switching. So we looked at the mismatch. I mean, we looked at people who can't guard. So we just went at them and it's just basketball you know these guys at, at, at the end of the day you know if they're if the uh, opposing opponent is watching the ball you know the the most basic thing to do is just do, do a backdoor and just you yeah. know get an easy basket and stuff so at the end of the day it's basketball you know I understand it's street basketball but sure. you know basketball comes into play as well and it's for money so it's not we're not gonna go and iso ball and that's the main focus that we told ourselves. We can't go one on one every time because that's going to be our downfall. That that was the East Coast's downfall.
1: Yeah, they they shot some ill-advised three and it created easy baskets for you guys going the other way. Uh Caesar, talk a little bit about uh, this opportunity, how it came up to join the West team, and then how how crazy is it that they. Ball is life, guys. The team, they shot you in high school, and now, like, in essence, you're doing some work with them. You know? Yeah. Like, talk about that 10 years, like, joining the team and then, like, them shooting you and and you're creating your mixtape until, you know, all the way 10 years later. Now, you're on this court, you know, playing outdoors.
2: Well I mean I, I gotta give it to uh, to you know the people at ball is life you know Matt Attic and and everybody involved for giving me this opportunity to come out and you know just showcase my talent you know uh, not anybody gets the opportunity of a lifetime to be featured in uh, with seven million people following on Instagram and stuff so it's a blessing to to you know still keep uh, keep in contact and still be a part of this family that is ball is life so I appreciate it I mean, it just came about, you know, I I came off of having a, a really, uh, you know, it came from the two hype game in, uh, I guess, two years ago where yeah. it was out here in the Bay Area, which I now I stay at. And, uh, you know, they said, hey, if you want to come play, let's do it. Yeah. Came out and played. I, I You know, I put on a show. Then it just happened. that I get invited to the next, you know, Bay versus L.A. event. And I just, you know, hopped onto the squad and, and just uh, thankful to Matt and Adik for giving me the opportunity yeah. to go out and, and, you know, showcase it, you know, uh, my talent. Cause you know I, I can still shake fools up. That's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can still do it.
0: Yeah. It, it's, you know, back in, in your days at Bosco, um, you were kind of a, a guy who the camera had to follow, right? Just the way you played, uh, your, your eccentricness for the game and kind of your ball handling and shiftiness and all that good stuff. Um, describe you know growing up how you built that style of play
2: well I think um uh, you know I grew up playing in the streets a lot in the in the streets of Huntington Park California um in Salt Lake Park where we just recently did like you know a park takeover and um it can't it, you know just that rough and tough uh you know rugged type of basketball and and having just you know my brother just uh Put me, when I was, I'm not going to lie, at 11 years old, I played in an adult league uh, okay. at Salt Lake Park. And it just started from there, you know, just yeah. just growing up and just uh, just handling it with older people. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it just came about, you know, hey, it's that that style of play came from the park, came from watching uh, Allen Iverson a lot, came from, you know, trying to get the killer mentality from Kobe Bryant, you know, rest in peace. Um but, yeah, it, it just so happened, you know, I it, it, just trying to mesh a whole flavor of athletes that I was that I loved watching growing up. And it was just, uh, you know, that's just how my game came about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cesar, just talk a little bit about that. Like talk a little bit about there being like an open run and like Ball's Life filming at Salt Lake Park. Like, would you ever think that would have happened when you were 12 years old or like going into Workman or Bosco like? Hey, nobody knows about basketball in HP or like in this part of town. Like now people all over kind of know where you're from.
2: Yeah, definitely. So um, you know, I don't think anybody had a clue um, you know, where Huntington Park was or where it is. They they probably thought it was like out deep in the in the cuts and stuff. But you know, uh, in our in our community in, in the southeast community of LA, um basketball is very big for us. Uh, even though, you know, soccer is as well and basketball and we got all these kind of sports yeah. in Huntington Park, California, in the southeast of L.A., basketball is big. We love the Lakers. We love the Clippers. And, you know, it's just simple rivalry. So I think um, I think it just came about, you know, I never thought that it would happen that Ball is Life would ever come to Salt Lake Park and, yeah. you know, come and record and, and do this park takeover stuff, which. You know, it, it it's great because they're they're bringing back streetball, they're bringing back the and one style of play that you know I used to grow up watching when I was little when you know the and one tour hit Venice Beach and they were out there with hot sauce, AO, Spider, yeah. and you know, all these guys. So uh I never thought thought of it, but you know what a blessing it is to to you know finally showcase that my city, you know, and the southeast of LA really loves basketball and is really out there and supporting.
1: That makes a lot of sense. You know, yeah, it's grown a lot. I mean, obviously, I've watched a lot of basketball in that in that part of town growing up in Southgate. You know, I yeah games around there for for a long time, and it, it varies in level, ability level, but like for sure, more people like it and like the Lakers and like ball now than when I was a kid. There's no there's no doubt about it. Like it's just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So like, what, what is, uh, you know, after you guys got this, this victory, like what's on the horizon, you know, what, what is the West, what does the West team do from here now? Where do you guys go from here now after you guys got this victory?
2: I think, um, you know, I still, we've still yet to, uh, talk about what's next. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to go to Mexico in the next couple of days and, and go and do my professional stint over there but one, I, I know once I come back, I think I will be uh, participating again in the East versus West. If there's like, you know, no lineup changes because, you know, the East is talking about lineup changes and they're going to bring pros and we got to bring out the physicality and stuff. And if they didn't have Frank Nitty, you know, they would lose. But, you know, it, it uh, I think what's next is just keep on doing these park takeovers. And, you know, I think one of the I would love to play against you know uh, other teams as well. That's not the East Coast, as you know, the North Side, the South Side, and, and just make it a big old event. You know, just you know, just love to compete and, and go out there and just showcase our talent. Um, you know, I think the West Coast Ball is Life team is really, uh, really good, and it's really you know it's gonna come up, and uh, I think we'll be the team to beat. I think we're we're the we're at top of the food chain right now.
0: Yeah, I would I would definitely like to see like a Pacific Northwest team and a team from the Midwest, whether Chicago, a team from Texas, a team from the deep south, the team from Florida, Yeah, definitely. And then and then something from New York and New Jersey. Uh, you know, put a team together like that and do one huge kind of street ball event. That would be pretty dope. Do you do you see that in the horizon? Or are you up? Are you up for that, Caesar?
2: Oh, definitely. I'm always up for it. You know, I always <laughs> like to compete against different people, but I also like like to you know let let everybody know. You know, the West Coast is the best coast, and you guys got to go through us before anything else. So, uh, you know, California is the mecca of basketball at the moment, and uh, they gotta they gotta show us otherwise. Caesar, man, we appreciate
0: the time. Best of luck to you this professional season in Mexico. Uh, it's always good to see you, man. Always good to talk to you.
2: Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much right. for having me on. Yes, Thank sir.
0: We'll you. talk appreciate again it. soon, man.
1: Take care. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All
0: right. Bye. Great yeah, I mean, stuff from Caesar as always, man. Love yeah. talking. Love talking to him.
1: Yeah, it's just. You know, kid growing up in Huntington Park to go to Oklahoma, Devin, to be a top 100 player and to go to Oklahoma State from Huntington yeah. Park, like you got to be pretty. That ain't happening. Like we're talking good players from that, you know, Huntington Park, you can like literally, I can count them on one hand, like to that level. And his brother, Joe Corvuvius, was very good. I, he just didn't have the, he didn't, he didn't have, he didn't play in the Trinity League. You know, he didn't have the um, notoriety and, and really, scouts coming to watch his game because he can play right and i remember at that time i asked him and i says are you gonna you know i thought he made me play with he might go to LACC, and i was like that might be good for him you know he was a pretty good player really quick you know strong maybe a little stronger than caesar not as strong but he was super had the quickness but like caesar got all the best benefits from what he learned or what he didn't go right like caesar did it all like obviously it was 15 years later but you know it, it and there was more opportunity more camps more showcases but yeah it's it's a pretty interesting story pretty amazing story actually and uh you know it continues i mean the guy's playing pro ball and same thing with frank i mean frank could have obviously went in a different direction Devin, he could just be working you know nine to five like he mm-hmm. was and hey you know i i try to play high school balls okay i mean there's probably a lot of guys like that probably some guys we miss you know like I mean, obviously, me and you see a lot of them at various showcases, whether it's Silver's events or, or Pangos events, like, but not everybody goes to those events or or has the opportunity. You know, they can't get there. They don't know about it. Can't afford it. Yep. They can't afford it, whatever the case may be. So it's very interesting how that works. You know, I can't think of really a guy like Frank, who's basically, you know, pretty much an NBA level type guard. I mean. You know, it's just a matter of his opportunity and a matter of getting the right opportunity. Obviously, that's what the NBA is about. It's a business, but a guy from like to go where he's at, you know, like went to LA Jordan, to Irvine, you know, like that that path doesn't (laughs) happen very often. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah. Being an Orange Orange County uh, guy born and bred, right? Um, You don't often see, you know, a guy, especially in 07, a guy from LA Jordan going to Irvine Valley community college. Um, yeah. I'm not sure who the coach was of, of Irvine Valley back in 08, but that's a nice uh, recruitment job. And then obviously after one season, at Irvine Valley made his way to saddle back in 09. I believe that's they won right. a
1: uh, yeah.
0: California community college state championship that year. Um, yeah. well, they went to the final. They, at least, they, went, think to the they final. went to the final. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they won the year before that.
1: Um, they might've won the year before that. I'm not, yeah. You know, Frank could, could clear that up, but yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, that's a great move. You know, play for Coach Ground. They had a great program. Obviously, Coach Bob Becker uh, knew about him a bit. Obviously, Becker was at Gar at the time where he coached another Drew League MVP, Casper Ware Jr. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, every and Casper's had his cup of coffee in the NBA. You know, again, similar situation, smaller guard. Obviously, Casper had more accolades, like in terms of people knowing about it, Yeah, yeah, it's events. CIF
0: recognition and yeah, uh, college scholarship correct.
1: offers, things like that, yeah. Yeah, but it, it's – there's just a lot of guys. I mean, like, I mean, Caesar's not exaggerating. There's just so many good players, and you just have to get your opportunity. And
0: you some know. of these guys, some of these guys, Ronnie, don't play – don't even play high school basketball. Some of them, they just yeah. – they they're just not play. like – Yeah, they, yeah. Just, they just play, and they're, they're, they're yeah. really good. Can you recall a guy like that who, you know, whether it was – different reasons, ineligibility academically or uh, yeah. just didn't, didn't, you know, want to play high school basketball who played, you know, street ball, but was really yeah. good.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's one guy, he, he, um, the guy that comes to mind first and foremost, and he was a great player and, and most people wouldn't know about him, but he has some Orange County ties as Jason works. He was a guard. He played at Dorsey, but man, he, he liked basketball. Like basketball was like a pain in the ass to him. Like he okay. just, he liked the Bible and um he was just dude, he was like Alley's version of Allen Iverson. You can ask Frank about him. Um he played at like Hamilton, Dorsey, Oxnard, LACC. Then he went to UC Irvine and he played for uh played for them. He, he he played for Mulligan. Mulligan, yeah. Yeah, when they had Kevin Maggie in their great team. I mean, he was a starting guard on a really <laughs> good team and like Practice to him was just like, oh God, you know, he got right, right. like a chore. It was a chore. It was a chore playing for him. He wasn't obsessed like some players are, and he played at six different schools in six years, and like, but he played on the playgrounds and stuff, and everybody in Alley knew who he was. He was just like a, oh my God, this guy's so quick and so good. He was like a like our Alley's version, like of a, an Iverson type quickness. Um, okay, and you know, he just. He just drove coaches. uh, He just drove coaches nuts with his just like his indifference to the game. Like obviously, college coaches were super invested, and he was he was just so talented. And and Jason passed away a few few years ago, but he's one of he's one of those type of guys. And you think about guys that are like obsessed with making it, and he he wasn't. Another guy that's a little bit like that, and you probably know a little bit more about him is um, Robin Kennedy. Sick with it, who's played in a lot of outdoor events. Uh, played on the and one mixtape tour robin went to like linwood adventist he's from like pasadena really didn't play high school ball maybe a little bit okay and then he went to chafee college and was like did really well there and then he got a scholarship to nevada but he was hurt at nevada he hurt himself and um he was kind of in and out of ball and then he got his big break. Like the N1 mixtape had a tryout at Belair Park. And like, everybody's like, who is this guy? He just like, <laughs> freaking crossover. Like, right, right, right. He, he blew up on the N1 mixtape and he still plays ball. You can still catch Robin like at the VBL, play from place. He's always, uh, he's always, uh, you know, Finding he's always an advocate for ball. Like, he's, yeah, he's, I mean, I don't want to bust Robin out, but he's almost 50 years old, but like, he still plays ball.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. I remember, yeah. And one mixtape tour when that, when that first dropped, I think I was in middle school or like early, early high school. So you'd watch that and then you'd go over to the, you know, local parks or whatever and, and you know, try those moves in, in a game and people would be like, what are you, what are you doing, bro? It's a carrier a travel or whatever. It caused it caused a lot of arguments, but it also, yeah. it also kind of, uh, the one mixtape tour kind of, uh, uh, revolutionized you know, the game,
1: the ball handling. Oh, There's a lot of guys that yeah. really love ball. It's kind of like you said. They got a little weary or tired of like the, the monotony of the NBA. Maybe it was like Magic, Jordan, and all those guys. Like, hey, I like these guys, especially Rafer. I mean, I had a chance to see Rafer um, at Ventura College and LACC. He was just so good. I mean, he had to tame his game down because, like, yo, I want to make the NBA roster. I want right. to – you know he had to play for george carl in milwaukee it's like dude you're playing with big dog sam cassell like you want to make the roster and make some time like you can't he couldn't he didn't have this free inhibition to do whatever he wanted yeah like it's a lot because people go oh kyrie irving is like such the greatest ball handler ever i'm like guys yes kyrie irving's the number one pick though right he, had, he has a number he has a like a full contract guaranteed he has much more free reign there's a few other guys that are they're they're not to that level that they want to make the team they want to make a good impression they can't just raper couldn't just do whatever the hell he wanted
0: right because then he, he yeah. would he would get cut or right. he would he, he wouldn't yeah. get another contract hey, okay. i remember i remember ray for more i remember a little bit with the box i remember him more with yeah. orlando yeah. and he figured uh, it out yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. he for sure figured it out how to stick yeah. in the NBA and how to how to be an effective, you know, starting yeah. point guard and you know start or or a backup guy on whatever some other teams he was on. Yeah, he and, was a starting
1: point guard in the NBA Finals. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's I love it, the way his career went for him. You know, but oh, for yeah, sure, no doubt. Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, he figured it out with Houston. He was with Houston for a while, and he was so good in the open court. Um, but I mean, I, I can't think of a guy who's better right now. Like, yeah, you know, just. On that, on that element, like, cause he had the size. And I think that was one interesting thing about that street ball craze, you know, you know, slam magazine was covered in a lot in other magazines. Um, and it was like, they had a little bit of issue or beef because Rafer and Rafer a straight up guy. Like he's just a straight up New Yorker kind of guy. And he's like, Ronnie, when I was at Fresno State, some of the guys just didn't work hard enough to make the league. We all were high-level guys. He's like, I wanted to make the league. And then he kind of mentioned something either in a magazine interview or Bounce magazine or, or Slam. And he was like, Well, those guys are not really NBA guards. And I think they had like some kind of beef with it, like some kind of issue with it. Like, yo, we're trying to get where you're at. And I remember watching him one year at at, at uh, Venice Beach. And then I, I said that to my buddy. I was like, Brevin Knight was playing. I remember vividly Brevin Knight was playing on the other team, Tyrone Nesby. Okay. And I was telling people I was like, "Guys, Tyrone Nesby is dominating this game." Yeah. I'm like, "Tyrone Nesby's just an average pro." Like, and I was saying the same thing like some of these guys are not NBA players. I'm like, "Rafer is a fucking NBA guard." Like, right. Now, again, it was just, it was a bit of a show, you know, the uh, hot sauce was out there, a few other guys, but I was like, "Look at Rafer's shoulders, look at his definition, look at his He's 6'2". some of, you know like you then you watch those guys and you're like he's pretty good but he's not an NBA guard you know
0: yeah and the, like, that's
1: the okay I mean it wasn't a knock on them I was just evaluating it you know
0: well the, the yeah the thing the thing was Brevin Knight was so good I loved watching him yeah. play yeah um but the, the thing with with uh rafer Alston was he was able to kind of dumb down his game right yeah. to be able yeah. to fit and be able to fit that role and be able to serve a role and, and yeah. make NBA rosters and not not a lot of guys are able to do that, and not a lot of guys are willing to do that. And that's kind of Correct. the
1: difference. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think we're not willing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah I think Frank is uh, in the waiting room here. Let's add him to the stream, see if, see if we got him. Frank, what's up, man?
3: Yo, what up, what up, guys? Hey, we got Hello,
0: you on man. the line. Appreciate you joining, man. You're, looks like you're leaving Target right now. What'd you, what'd you buy? Uh,
3: I needed a like a portable vacuum cleaner. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. all
0: right. Good to see you, busy man. man. Hey, Jersey, man. Yeah. Give Always us a. Out. Give us your, uh, give, us your take. give us your take on last uh, last week's uh, East versus West showcase, man. What what was the difference?
3: Um, what was the take? All right, I'll start with the take on it. Um, <laughs> the take on it was it was fun. It was fun. Um, it was exciting. Probably one of the best basketball environments I've been in in a long time. Um, now, when you talk about the difference, of, yeah, of, of it. Oh man, it was prison ball. <laughs> it, was, it was prison ball for sure. Um, it got to a point where like nobody really wanted to drive the basketball anymore. Uh, just it was it was it was that crazy. but it was fun it was fun.
0: And obviously the West won three to zero, an easy sweep in those last two games. Um, what do you think was the key for your guys' victory and what would you do differently from them that, that allowed you to win that thing 3-0?
3: Um, they didn't play together at all. They didn't play together at all. Um, I think that was a big... I I called that, you know, in practice, though. I I know how those games go. Um, I've been a part of a lot of, like, egotistical games. And anytime you're dealing with, you know, a lot of egos and a lot of fans, and there's going to be a lot of who's and ah's, and it's going to excite certain people and make them want to play one-on-one basketball. And to be honest, like, that's not going to win you a, a series. It's not It'll probably yeah. win you a game if you got a guy who gets super hot. Mm-hmm, um, sure. but it's it's not gonna win you a series. Um I was saying they were at least gonna win at one game, but once I saw that nobody really could, you know, uh create for others, it was more so like, all right, yeah, they won't win a game. Okay. So yeah, um, that was that was a difference, nothing crazy.
1: Yeah, did you notice right away that if they shoot a long three, you and Caesar could just push. How did they not see that? Like, I saw that. I was like, hey, they, they can't get in transition with these guys, and they're going to take a bad jumper. It's going to be a bucket the other way or at least an advantage.
3: Uh, I, they just, to be honest, they didn't have a leader on their end of the court. They had a bunch yeah. of individual guys who are great at what they do, but they didn't have a guy who could put it all together. Uh, that's the only mm-hmm. thing they were lacking because if you switched me to their team, I could tell them exactly how to win. But again, you know, that's just experience that I've had, you know, winning on different levels all over the world. So it's just, it's a little more difficult when you got a bunch of younger guys. And they're all young. They're all between 20 and, I don't know, 23, 24. Mm -hmm. So um, we're a little more, you know, seasoned uh, on the West. So I think that played a big part in it as well.
1: Yeah, Frank, talk a little bit about that. Before you came on, we were kind of talking about the and one street ball craze and how it came back, you know, Ray Rawson really brought it to the forefront about 20 years ago when you were just a younger kid. And he had a dumb drum down his game to stick in the NBA, whether it was with Houston or in Orlando. He figured it out. He figured out what he'd do because I was telling Devin, like, yo, i seen him play outdoors and i seen him play at Ventura. I saw him play at Fresno City. He was unbelievable. But he kind of had to dumb his game down to fit with the NBA team. So talk a little bit about that, like the difference between playing in the Drew League the difference between playing overseas and, and maybe like at Weber State or Cal State, what you have to do to fit the team compared to just your natural ability?
3: Uh, to be honest, that's a great question. Uh, I think a lot of people are, uh, struggle with that. I think a lot of people struggle yeah. with that. Uh, yeah. Rafer gave us, because I used to watch him on N1. I mean, I had, yeah. I had plenty of N1 shoes, you know. that's yeah. That's where I got most of my crossovers and moves from, like, is yeah. from N one like i didn't watch nba like growing up like that uh, i watched sure. m1 first and then it was nba second because N one was just more relatable like nba back then yeah. was insane you had monsters in nba it was so physical and so tough yeah. and everybody was yeah. six six yeah mm-hmm. so yeah. um i i think uh it, it's just an adjustment you have to make when it comes like i said it depends on where you play like obviously i've never played sure. the nba but i've seen the style of play um and i you know i could just tell you know what an nba guy looks like i'm pretty sure you feel the same way um they're just so different from the way that everybody else plays um it's just adjustments to be honest uh i think if you have the talent um depending on where you play as long as you can it's not so much entertainment anymore so what i figured out because obviously i'm a street hooper who you know decided to go pro or whatever and, and it worked for me what i figured out is there's no entertainment and when you're getting paid to play basketball you're winning games and you're taking everything serious as hell there's no wasted energy mm-hmm, uh, sure. when you're playing street ball drew league and all that it's all it's all for a show it's all entertainment um yeah. granted now like the nba overseas is still entertainment but it's a different type of entertainment um uh, it's more serious it's more you know you want to win it's more of a business so um it's. I would just say that aspect of it. I mean, you 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 dumb down the extra moves. You dumb down the entertainment, the antics, and uh, mm-hmm, yeah. you go out there. You literally just compete and try to win games without you know doing too much. Like less is more in the in the NBA and overseas is really a thing. Like less is more. You can score and get yeah. your spots easier um, than you know you would do showboating. Then you know it's it's the difference.
0: Yeah. Frank, Ronnie and I cover a lot of high school basketball, and we see a lot of ranked dudes and, and guys who uh, you know, get exposure and things like that on social media and different aspects of it. You at LA Jordan, you know, a 07 graduate, you didn't have the, the Twitter, you didn't have the Instagram, none of that stuff, uh, you know, people covering your games. Then you end up at Irvine Valley Community College. Then you go to Saddleback Community College. Talk about your journey a little bit and uh, how that kind of shaped the person and player you are today.
3: To be honest, I didn't even know um, I didn't even know I was going to play basketball, like at all, like 100%. So I think I had one person recruit me, and it was a JUCO guy, uh, which was Andy Graham, um, to Irvine Valley, Valley College, where he was an assistant coach. <laughs> and yeah, we laughed not, about it. The day. Right. Oh, I love Andy Graham, man. He I wouldn't be who I am today without him. He, uh, I literally didn't know what I was going to do, but he walked up to me after a tournament in Inglewood. I'll never forget it. And he starts talking to me about, you know, playing basketball at the next level. Yeah. And, like, I had no idea what he was talking about. Like, what do you want me like? <laughs> what the hell do you want me for? Like, I don't do anything special. Like, that's what I felt. That's what I just – I don't know. I've always felt that way. So, sure. literally, when he's talking to me, I kind of just told him, okay, whatever, and gave him my number and walked away. And mm. to this day, he says, like, I big-timed him. But I honestly didn't – I didn't <laughs> see what he thought. I didn't see what yeah. he saw. So – he ended up taking me to Irvine Valley College, where I sat the bench most of the year. Granted, we did have eight guys go Division One, so um, it was—I I guess it was necessary. And he ended up get the, getting the head coaching job at Saddleback College, where he asked me if I wanted to go. And I was like, "Hell yeah! I'm riding the bench over here anyway. I'm not gonna sit over here for another year. Are you crazy?" Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, he kind of just, you know, built a team around me, and that's where I kind of figured out how to play, how to win uh what i had to do to you know to be better uh like adjustments i figured out everything because i was playing 38 minutes a game man something crazy man it was it was like one of the best like best years of my life for sure uh that juco year was so much fun man we made it all the way to state with the bare minimum um it was just a crazy year man
0: yeah andy uh and andy forces you to defend um Andy Fort, you know, did, did you learn a lot about defense from Andy and, and different schemes like that? Because knowing Andy, I, I know you got a guard over there.
3: Oh, you for sure I have the guard. I think that's what he liked. Uh, the, the gas. No, the gas. Oh, that's. Not gas. Uh, I think that's what he liked. I think he liked the fact that. So in high school, I was not an offensive player at all. Okay. But yeah. my coach in high school, we used to work like two hours minimum on defense. It was something crazy, man. We spent yeah. probably four hours in practice every day uh in high school just to keep us out of trouble it wasn't even to make us better because <laughs> he was <No>. <laughs> where we were at which i thank him for that's uh, uh, van, myers, van, myers, so yeah. van myers um and he ended up uh teaching me all the defensive principles i needed because at la jordan you know when you make it to state or cif or whatever you're playing against westchester high School. Yeah. You're playing against uh, Fairfax, like all the schools that have the elite kids. So it's like you know you don't have we, we're not going to get those kids. So one thing we are sure. going to have to do is you know play defense. So he he preached you know defense like crazy. So um, that's who kind of taught me that, and I'm pretty sure that's what ground loved the most um, between that and how well I rebound. So. Uh, that was one of his his big things on recruiting me. I'm sure I've never asked, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is.
1: Okay. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know what he saw at that tournament in Englewood. Like Jordan's just playing a game, and it's like, hey, that kid's pretty good.
3: No, <laughs> seriously, I, I should have that conversation. I've never had that conversation, but I, I definitely want to have that conversation.
0: Ronnie, I should I should send the stream link to Perry Webster and get him in here, and and he probably knows the backstory. <laughs> He probably knows
3: <laughs> the backstory. I Perry, man, I love Perry, dude. Uh, I wish I had him that year. We went to the state. We would have won it with no problem.
0: He was injured that year, right?
3: Yeah, he was injured, but uh, we had some things going on in house, and he just didn't. He, he technically didn't want to play, and I, right. I, I, understood, I understood him for it. Uh, I couldn't even fault him for it. Uh, so it it was, yeah, it was a tough year for sure.
1: Yeah. So years later, you kind of figure it out. Like you said, you, you, now you're, you got advice from the game and other people like, yo, pursue pro ball, pursue pro ball. Now you've been the Drew League MVP three times. Where do you go from here with, with the ball's life team? What's next for the ball's life team? What, what do you guys envision? You know, you, you, like you said, you've touched basketball in a lot of different places and a lot of different, you know, arenas, meaning like street ball Drew League, Pro Bowl, what's next for the for the West
3: team? Uh, man, we going on a tour. <laughs> we're we going on a tour. I think that's the plan. Uh, I trust Matt. So whatever Matt decides, we always bounce these ideas off each other. Whatever Matt decides uh, is best for, you know, the brand and uh, ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we're helping him, but he's also helping us. He gives, he's giving us more eyes than, you know, any of us have ever had. So, sure. um Like, like, to be honest, I've always been the leader I am today, and I didn't really notice it until I watched back the the clips that they put together and then all the feedback we had from people talking about it. And I was like, that's weird. I do that, you know, out of love. I do that out of love for the game and understanding of the game. And everybody else saw it on, you know, like, holy crap, we didn't know Frank was this type of person and all that. So... It's uh, it's great for us too. So uh, I'm with whatever you know Matt decides is the correct route to go.
0: Sure, Frank. What what's your favorite? Uh, I know it's probably tough. Your favorite, you know, uh, thing to play in, whether it's uh, uh, Drew League, whether it's Big Three. What's your favorite thing you've played in?
3: Uh, uh I was, I was simply because, uh It's no – there's no politics of it all. There's no – like, I've done enough where I don't have to worry about my coach telling me what to do and what not to do. Like, he he in my decision to be as good as I can be. And I feel like any time you do that with a player, he can be as good as, you know, as anybody else or better. So, uh, when you start playing for money, I tell people this all the time. Me and Pierre Jackson had this conversation, actually. Hey, he makes – he makes boo money. So <laughs> we had this conversation <laughs> about playing basketball for free is the is the best time to play basketball. Cause there's no egos, there's no politics, there's no coaches, GMs. Yeah. You know, there's nobody trying to control what you do. When you're playing for free, it's just go out there, play your hardest, and we're gonna trust, you know, whoever's mm-hmm. on the floor at the time. Um, so I, I'm just gonna say between the Drew League and adult leagues. I love those. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Frank, man, we appreciate the time. Uh, Best of luck to you moving forward, and hopefully we can see some more East versus West action and some more park takeovers, man.
3: Man, uh, uh, for sure, for sure. We're definitely going to do a bunch more. I appreciate you guys having me, man. Yeah. Yes,
1: sir. Talk to you soon, man. Take care.
3: All right. Yeah. All
1: right, right, bye. Yeah, and you see, Frank, guy always on the move. Frank just seems like a guy to me that doesn't sit still, Devin. He just – yeah, constantly in motion, constantly going to the next thing, you know, and and his recruiting story is great. I mean, I wish I knew more about it, you know. I, I'm just trying to think, like, did I even have his name somewhere on some paper in 07? Like, yeah, I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you? you. Did you see him in high school? You, do you not remember? Mm-mm. I don't think I've seen him. Like, I'm just trying to think if I saw him in an early tournament game, like in. A, but dude, yeah, you're just not gonna watch Ali Jordan that much. You're yeah, honest, that's just being honest. Like. They're at the earliest game. They're in the lowest division in the tournament, and I don't remember him anywhere. Like, uh, just and plus, God, you think about the all LA City team. It's like so many good players that year, and on that time, you know, you know, just like Chance Stanback, Justin Hawkins. It's kind of like what he said: all the ranked and known players. Rat Taft, Westchester, Fairfax, Fairfax. It's just the way it was, and and was there guys coming in? you know, around the corner. Yeah, there was, I mean, you know, a lot of guys that played for the pumps got a lot of publicity, whether it was Jeremy Anderson, you know, um, drew drew, um, Larry drew. I mean, there was other guys that kind of were falling through, you know, wasn't as highly ranked around that time. Yeah. And certain guys got on, you know, whether they went to Pangos camp or, or played for the right travel team, they just got way more publicity. You know, the, the guy, the team I'm thinking mostly of is the pumps. Like they, 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 those guys got a lot of publicity, you know, mm-hmm. um, in, yeah. in that time. And then you look at 08 too, like, uh, you know, obviously with Clay Thompson and Paul George, which we've talked about a lot, like not even being on the pumps, number one team. So, I mean, just, I could imagine, you know, Frank, probably good defender then. I mean, I could imagine what he was like. Cause I could see him now you know, he's more polished and obviously he's, he's a lot stronger and bigger now, but like I could just see him going to a, somebody's practice and just like, eh, all right, we'll put you on a second team or something like right. that's And then may, he may get discouraged or be like, you know what? I'm driving all the way from Watts all the way to the Valley or something to run this team. Nah, I'm not going to do this. You know, like that's how easily it happens. Yeah, Like, you know, you make a right decision or or a decision that, that that works for you or, or decision like, ah, I'm not going to continue this. And I'm sure Frank went through that a couple of times and he's even said it like, yeah, when I left, when he left Weber state, it's like, yeah, what am I going to do here? You know, he didn't have the, the greatest uh, fit, like practice, mm-hmm. I guess or maybe practice skills or practice approach to practice, which he's improved over time, you know? For sure. Yeah, it's
0: yeah. always it's, it's always good, Ronnie, just talking to these guys and especially guys like Caesar and Frank, who have different, you
1: know, different paths to different yeah. areas of the game. And, and it's it, very interesting. Like uh I remember Dinos hitting me up and he was like, You should put uh Caesar in the league twenty four game, and I'm like, and eh, like he's right below that, like because we were getting honestly, we were getting most of the top twenty five or top thirty guys here and there, you know and he was on that second tier like but like you're right you're right he was had somebody advocating for him that's my point like yeah. he was on Dino's team he was have a lot in the media ball His life was filming him he had a lot of positive things going for his way to for where he could end up at a school like Oklahoma state there there would just be no way for Frank to get to that to that level even if he yeah. was probably good enough how would he how would he make that transition from Jordan to Oklahoma state like it just in the way our system set up, it just wouldn't have been possible, for sure. But luckily, a coach saw him. Like again, that's why we mean you always tell kids: you just never know who's in the gym. You never know who's watching. You never know like who catches somebody's eye. Like, hey, that kid's gonna be a good defender, or like mm-hmm. that kid's gonna be a good JUCO player. Because mean you say that a lot. That kid's a JUCO bandit. He's gonna be good if he sticks with it. He's gonna be good in two or three years. Yeah, we we say that every year.
0: Every year, yeah, that's it. A- and, but different.
1: those kids want to be yeah. Cesar Guerrero. That's the problem. Yeah. They want to be a top 100 fan. They're not.
0: You yeah. Know? Yeah, that's that's what we see every year, Ronnie, is, is guys who, yeah. you know, aren't yeah. that top 100 talent yeah. yet, but, you know, look down upon the Juco route. Um, You know, and, and Frank Nitty's is kind of a guy who is a case you look at and be like, okay, it, you know, it can work out. And there's different areas mm-hmm. and different paths you can go to, you know, make money in the game, whether it's – yeah. Big three overseas, you know, whatever, Ballas Life, East West Park takeovers, you know what I mean? So it's, you know, there's there's a lot of different mo- ways to uh, to make money in the game. And, and, and like we said, Ronnie, um, you never know who's watching. So I think that's a, a good point to end on. Um, we appreciate you guys tuning in to episode 105 of the In the Paint show presented by Ballas Life. Uh, make sure you guys check out the park takeovers on our instagram page uh, on our youtube page as well and stay tuned for even more you know outdoor park takeover east versus west showcase games in the future Uh, but until the next episode of itp ronnie and devin are signing off